We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens, Illinois, and let's not forget Trinity Lutheran Church out Never there. Never forget Dom's Trinity. Trinity. It sounds like a sermon illustration. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> Trinity. Don't forget the Trinity. Trinity. That's right. It's all about the Trinity. <laughs> and right next to me, I have Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in the picturesque streets. Of South St. Louis. So they're still picturesque. They're picturesque. Even in this rather late, cold, frosty weather we've had it's here. It's been crazy. So and we have the yellow daffodils are blooming. They're sprouted. They, they're flowering. But now they're snow covered. It's uh, been crazy. It's just, it is crazy. So the weather we should have had in February we're having now. And such is life when you live in southern Missouri or southern Illinois. or Well, I guess it's not southern Missouri, is it? It's southern yeah, Illinois. It's kind of, it's kind of, yeah. mid, central, central. East central yeah. Missouri. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I always like it when I have an opportunity to share things that are helpful to people. And so, can I do this real quick? And then well, we'll we appreciate the... it when you do that too, John. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I can save people some money here. Great, because uh, Lynn and I actually just went to this uh, a course at the Missouri Botanical Garden. Pretty pricey. I think it cost us each like thirty bucks to take this course, and it was a winter tree identification course. Oh yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. And, and it turns out that actually it's really easy. It's really easy because it turns out that they're just the big things that come out of the ground that have all of the limbs and, and twigs on them. That's how you identify the trees so in the winter. <laughs> in fact, that's it's, a tree. Yeah, well, that's and it's, a tree. Yeah, and it's so much easier because there's no leaves to hide them or anything. It's actually easier to identify Go them figure. in the winter. Well, that, that sounds like that was money well spent. <laughs> well, no, thirty bucks to figure that that's one what out. I was thinking maybe, maybe. Yeah, really, that was a lot to find out. That's how you identify a tree in winter. Oh, I see. So, so on this Saturday morning, you're providing us with this, this crash course how to pro- <laughs> identify right. that tree during. Okay. Save well, your money. It's just the big things that come out of the ground with the limbs <laughs> and the twigs on them. <laughs> I bet Lynn appreciates having you around so much. <laughs> she does. There's a tree, sweetheart. Look at that. Remember from the course we had? There's one right over there. No, no, I'm just having fun. It was actually a great course. Although, again, it was one of those days where we'd had this beautiful, warm, 70-degree weather in February. And that day, it was like freezing. And uh. I, of course, did not wear my coat, figuring I'd be able to walk around like it was spring or something. So I about froze my my uh, toes off there. You know, so oh, there, no. that's a persimmon. You know, that's an oak. I'm thinking, I don't care. I'm just freezing. <laughs> I can see their trees. Isn't that so enough? So it's, it's when trees are naked, when they don't have their leaves. You identify what That's they are right. still. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I could actually do a persimmon because it has like a Lego block-like look. On the uh, uh, on the bark on the bark is yeah. that right? So that's the one that I can do really well, but there just aren't that many persimmon, <laughs> persimmon trees. trees. Okay, hey, we got to get started here because okay. my wife yelled at me from last week. She Uh-oh. said you guys took way too much time to get to the subject. So all right, okay, I'm, I listened to you. This is for you, Lynn. <laughs> so so here's the deal. It is the tradition in the church to always start uh, in Lent talking about the temptation. 
That's that's the issue, yes. the temptation. In fact, you know, we, we switch now. We switch gears from the three-year lectionary, which goes from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to this historic one-year lectionary. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me that at same thing. Even though we got a brand new lectionary, we still always want to focus on temptation. And so you would like to share with us some thoughts about the original temptation yes. of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. So where do we start? Well, we'll start in the book of Genesis. Oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> now we're going to go back <laughs> almost... like identifying trees, huh? <laughs> almost right. to the very beginning. To, let's start in Genesis chapter 2, okay. actually. And the, the reading that, that you brought up that usually is read is in Genesis chapter 3. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. we're going to set the stage here in Genesis chapter 2. But what a great way to begin, I think, the season of Lent, especially uh, as we examine ourselves, as we examine ourselves uh, in light of, I think, in light of Adam and Eve here, in light of this first temptation, this first sin. Uh, so we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll look at that a little more. So examining ourselves, um, I, I like to for, for our listeners to think about a mirror. So when you look in a mirror, um, what do you see? Well, you, you see all sorts of stuff, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. For, for me, you see a young guy, right? For <laughs> it's always an old guy. An old guy. <laughs> yeah, it gets more so every year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we, what's we, wrong with that mirror? <laughs> it's the mirror's fault. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, all sorts of different reactions to reflections, right? Well, I, if Adam and Eve were to look in a mirror after they've been created by God, what would they see? Oh, oh I've yes. got the answer. Yes, the, ima- the image of God. So well, They were I, created in his, in his image. Well, you know, I, I, maybe they, with their own eyes, I don't know if they would see that. I mean, to a certain extent, oh. yes, right? Well, that's I mean, how they, but maybe they wouldn't have noticed that? Yeah, well, okay. you know, and what does it mean to... I, I, let's do it this way. What does it mean to have the image of God? Maybe that's what we need oh, to that's ask. That's a better, that's a harder question. Yeah. It's kind of a toughie. Yes. Because I think sometimes we think we just kind of, maybe we skim over that and we think, well, maybe they, well, they look sort of like God. You know, yep, Adam yep. looked a little like God, you know, and a mustache <laughs> just like, like Noah God. Just like you. Know, like you. So, yeah. yeah. Just like yeah. my son looks like yeah, me. Without um, the beard. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this image of God going more than just skin deep, right? Yes. You know, that this is perfection, that they know God as he truly you know, it is, you know, it's incredible. It's something that, that we don't have. It's yeah. something that's lost. Well, in fact, I was going to say, that's one thing you could say. They wouldn't be embarrassed at what they saw yeah, in the yeah. mirror, would they? Yeah, not, even at the, the, not at the, the beginning, anyway. Yeah, so even, exactly. So they would look, they, this reflection staring back at them, it would be this, this naked person standing yeah. there, but yet there's no shame, right? No. There's no shame. There's no sin. They would look back and they, they would just see perfection. There, there wouldn't be any, oh, you know, I need to lose a few pounds or any, <laughs> no feelings like that. <laughs> They'll just yeah, joy, perfection. Right. I mean, something we can't even imagine what that must have been like. Uh, so they look in that mirror. That's what they would have seen. All right. But that changes, unfortunately. Um, let, let's start here, though. Adam and Eve made for each other this match made in heaven, right? First husband and wife. I, I, you know, God literally makes them for each other. Uh, but then for this perfect couple and this perfect paradise of Eden, God still sets limits for them. Right. He sets a boundary for them, right? So we hear about that in Genesis chapter 2, if you'd like to read uh, chapter 2, verse 15. And, and I, I do think I need to point out that this is being spoken to Adam, because at this point we don't have an Eve. Yeah. So in all fairness, she she doesn't know that this is the commandment, at least not well, she doesn't sure. exist at sure. this point. So. Sure. So, I mean, I, I think that, that brings up a good point, too. I mean, Adam really, really knew this command, and yet when Eve sins... Guess who's right there with her? 
Yeah. Adam, yeah. you know, he should have spoken up, Adam. Okay, so anyway, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through uh, 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So a couple of surelys there. You may surely eat, and yet also you may, you will, rather, surely die. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a, a big but there in the middle of the whole thing. Yeah. You can eat of any hey, tree. please. But. <laughs> <laughs> Put the mirror down, John. <laughs> Not that kind of but. But the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat from that day. You shall surely die. So so what's the deal here? I mean, why is God doing this? Why is this God putting this restriction on what Adam here and eventually Adam and Eve can't do. I mean, it, we, we read this and I think sometimes we think, well, God's been kind of a jerk here, right? No, you no. know, he's putting the boundaries, limits, no. you know, what, what's the deal? Well, so no, what's his motivation? Well, but see, that's my thought. Don't you ever say to your kids, hey, don't touch that boiling hot pot of spaghetti on the stove. You're oh, come on, a, Dad. You're not being a jerk. Don't go running out in the street. <laughs> Oh, but it's fun to run in the street. <laughs> I know, but that's because you love them, because you care for them. Yeah, and I, you don't I, want them to get hurt. I, I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, this is the heavenly Father, right? Oh. Uh, and He same motivation. He loves them. He cares for them. They're His creation. Uh, yeah, He's saying this not uh, not to be mean, not to you know place limits on them, just to kind of play with them or something. Or He's a jerk. No, it's just the opposite. He loves them. It's for their safety. Uh, he says that that tree of the knowledge of good and evil is out of bounds. Out of bounds, yep. right? All right. I came across this uh, illustration, and I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. No, I that's hope fine. you don't hit me with the as as you don't make a point. my big butt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put the mirrors away. Okay. Uh, so I came across the story of this, this pit in Montana. This is open pit that's full of toxic water because of all this mining that's <laughs> taking place there. Well, last year, over 4,000 geese died because Ooh, they they, they flew into this pit and the water's just toxic. Yeah. So it, this is in Montana. So they're, they're proposing all of these different, you know, devices to keep the geese out, to keep them away. Um, so they have these noise-making propane cannons that they're, <laughs> they're, they're hauling Good. out. And they're yep. triggered by these long-range motion sensors. Uh, they also have radar, air, and water drones, strategically positioned lasers that create a net across the pit from keeping the birds from landing in the metal-laden water, as the article says. Uh, I just think that's kind of funny. You know, these noise cannons, drones, lasers, <laughs> all to keep these birds out of this water. To, but, but, but why are they going through all this? For the same reason God does, right? Because they, they want to protect these geese in this case. They want to keep them safe. It's for their own lives and well-being. Uh, the, the, the water there it might not look bad. might not look bad to the birds. It might look pretty good, actually. But yet it's it's deadly. It's toxic. And, and here we see in the Garden of Eden, God doing that out of so much more love and for the crown of his creation, for Adam and also eventually for Eve to put these boundaries in place for their own safety, for their own well-being, for their very lives, that they wouldn't eat this toxic fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, now, let me ask you a question. Okay. Though, okay. <laughs> so why have we got this pit filled with this poisonous water in the first place why don't we just get rid of that and why would god put a tree that would kill you in the middle of the garden 
What's that all about? What's the deal? Maybe that's the deeper question. Well, the, <laughs> yeah. the toxic water, I'm really not sure, John. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pay, ask the people. Where was this at? Uh, in the, the, uh, it's in Montana, the, the, the uh, Berkeley Pit in Butte, Montana. I would think let's just fill up the pit, drain the water get out. Get out the shop vac <laughs> yeah, and get it taken right. care of, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! So why the tree in the garden yeah. of Eden? You know, yeah. and I, well, I think you, you could even say today, in some respects, why, uh, you know, why, why sin today? Why, well, you know, not, why? Ten- okay, but see, it's different today because we have fallen into mm-hmm. sin. It's evil and corrupt. Yeah. But this was paradise by by definition. This is paradise. Why do we need a tree that would kill you yeah. in paradise? And that's a very good question. I think it's one that a lot of people struggle with, myself included. Yeah. I I think though God gives them, and maybe that's a terrible ability, but God gives them the ability to reject his word and reject his promise and to disobey. So why did he do that? Well, that's <laughs> that a, doesn't seem that's like a good, a good question. Either. But I mean, and, and, you know, I know it is a little different, but yeah, it's still today. I mean, we still do have that ability to reject yeah. him, reject yeah. his word and reject his promise. And uh, perhaps in, in some respects is a terrible ability. Yeah. I, do you want me to share with you my, my yeah, opinion, please my do. speculation? Uh, um, and see, you're you're talking about that about uh, the ability and and uh, and again, I raise the issue of why the tree, but but see, the thing is is C.S. Lewis made a really neat statement. He said God is not capable of doing nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the illustration is, you know, the old Jewish rabbis argued about how many uh, angels. Oh no no no! Here here's what they are. Could God make a rock that's so heavy he couldn't lift it? Yeah, because God can do everything, can't he? So can he make a rock that that. And, but but see that's nonsense. That's nonsense. So no, let's not even talk about that because God doesn't do nonsense. And I think that's the same way to picture a world where there would be no death. That's probably nonsense. Uh, my my theory is as soon as God took the dust, now he was fine as long as he had dust because because dust doesn't die. <laughs> he got no problem with dust. But as soon as he took that dirt and breathed into it and made it living, he also made the possibility that there would be death. Mm-hmm. You can't have life without the possibility of there being death. And so my thought is, is he said, okay, I'm going to put death in one place, one spot, and I'm going to tell people to stay away from it. I can't get rid of death because I made life. It's just what I got to have. To say that there could be death without life or life without death, that's just nonsense. But I'll do what every loving father would do. I'll, like you said, I'll set up the drones, I'll set up the cannons, and I'll put it someplace. <laughs> the laser beams. The laser beams, because I do not want my people to die, and they need to know that, that I don't want them to die. Uh, I can't eliminate the possibility, but I'll do everything I can. Uh, but apparently that wasn't going to be enough. At least not what he did here would be enough. Now, he's going to do something else that would be enough. But, yeah. but, at, but at this point... The best is to the best the law can do. If that's how you want to do it in terms of commandments and orders, the best the law can do is say that's a bad thing. Stay away from it. That'll kill you. Stay away from it. But we'll soon see that the law is not enough. Law cannot really solve the problem of death. But yeah, it's it's a legitimate try. Okay. Yeah. yeah all right. So that's my yeah. opinion anyway. So death exists in, even in the midst of life. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't have yeah. life without death. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Just how it is. Yeah, and I think yeah, part of it is it's, it's God is God, and this is what he this yeah. is what he did. He created it. This was his choice to place that tree there, but yet he doesn't leave Adam and Eve without the boundaries, and he also doesn't leave them without a solution to sin once that yeah. sin takes place, yeah. once that death affects them personally. 
And, and and you're right there too, Matt. Actually, God probably doesn't care what my opinion is. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, God. Whatever you want. You know, if you want to put the tree in there, okay. <laughs> I wasn't suggesting he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> okay. it's something we wrestle with. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, it's wrestling with the basics. Yeah, so why not? So, all right. So where do we go from here? All right. So okay. we know what the command laser is. beams. Don't eat it. Uh, you'll, well, you'll surely die. Well, I, and here's another question. So don't eat it. You shall surely die. You know, he gives this command to Adam, and you know, and now and Eve comes along. Do they seem to be cool with that? Are they okay with that commandment? It seems to. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, it seems like that's not a problem. Okay, God, well, yeah, sure. Particularly since we got all these other trees to eat from, it's not like we're lacking for yeah. for fruit. It's not like they're starving to death. No. It's just one tree out of many. I mean, they, they seem to be okay with it. They're really not calling God's boundary into question, or you know, and they just take him at his word until Satan comes uh, along, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden he calls God's boundaries and God's motivation for setting those boundaries into question, yeah. and all of a sudden. Oh, wait a second. Yep. There's doubt is cast. So then we go to uh, Genesis. And, and, and I just want to throw in, see, that's a sad thing, because we we cannot, we do not know what it would have been like for Adam and Eve, because we live in a context where we're going to question whatever God says, because we are born sinners. That's just our, you tell little Noah not to run out in the street, and there's something in him that says, but I'd like to try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that I don't respect Dad, but yeah, it'd be kind of cool to at least try it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so we don't know what that's like, you know, and but I think it, maybe the best analogy is that parent and child, though. And to a certain extent, maybe maybe we have a small taste for what it's like. Okay, the kid who uh, uh, he has he go his bedtime seven o'clock yep, every yep, night. His yep. Bedtime seven o'clock. You know, the the, the two year old, three year old, he's kind of okay with that. Okay, yes, yeah, so I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna go to bed. Uh, but all of a sudden, he finds out. Well, Jimmy in his preschool class goes to bed at eight o'clock. Uh huh. Now yeah. all of a sudden, that boundary that was you know it was okay. Now all of a sudden, is it still okay? Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Hey, mom and dad, well, you're a jerk. Why do you make me go to bed at eight o'clock <laughs> or seven o'clock instead of eight o'clock? What's your motivations here? Don't you know about little Jimmy and his parents? So I, I think to a certain extent, you know, these boundaries that that our parents perhaps set up for us out of love, oh, we're okay with those until. Maybe those boundaries, for some reason, are tested or called into question or motivation called into question. Your kids are growing up, aren't they, Matt? <laughs> I have Your a teenager kids? in the house. Can yes. you tell? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. No. You're going to be tested. <laughs> You'll be the one tested. Yeah. So here, it's it's not a classmate that's calling these boundaries into question. It's it's the devil. He's calling God's boundaries, God's motivation into question for Adam and Eve. And so we, we read that in Genesis chapter 3, which is really finally now <laughs> the reading that comes up in the beginning of Lent. So, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Stop there or keep going. Well, I mean, already, here we go. Satan's already trying to call God into question his boundaries and his motivation, right? Right. And it right. only gets worse. And it also points out that God or the devil is a liar, because yep. that obviously isn't what God said. Yeah. But, but yeah. well. Any uh, tree, yeah. And uh, Twisting God's words. Twisting the word of God. Thing. Yeah. Well, but see, that's the thing about a good liar. A good liar always keeps an element of the truth, because if you just said the opposite, well, then people, you're a liar. See, yeah. So, 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 yeah, there was some of the business about not eating the trees, but, of course, it wasn't just yeah. any tree. And Satan, that. not just a good liar, he's a great liar, he's a great and liar. here he is, put into practice. And so the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
But God said, now that's what's interesting. She's quoting the Lord yeah. here. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Yeah. So even the touching part, now, now Eve's kind of yeah. putting words into God's mouth. Yeah. What's going on yeah. here? Yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of vague, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, God said, it's that tree right there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now it's just somewhere in the midst of in the, the garden. In the midst of the garden. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And we know what happens next, right? So if you want to keep going. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but the servant said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Yeah. 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 Well, in some regards, yeah, their eyes are going to be open. They're going to know good and evil. That's <laughs> not a good thing, you know. Ugh. They're certainly not equal with God or like God, but they, they know good and evil now. You know, it does tickle me, too, that, that she leaves out the surely. Because mm-hmm. that's a big deal for God. You surely may eat, you surely may not mm-hmm. eat. Mm-hmm. She leaves it out, and the devil sticks it right back in. <laughs> Only he puts the not in front of it. You shall not surely not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uses those extremes. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well, let's finish it up here. Verses 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that what is a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise... She took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Uh, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And and, uh, claws, by the way, not clothes. Uh, uh, And by the way, Matt, don't don't get anxious here. We'll we'll take another episode for this. Okay. (laughs) Good. Okay, thank you. Because I can tell Matt was going, I got to get this point. I got this point. But no, I I think we can do it. We can take another half hour on this. Well, this is so, you know, this affects us. I mean, this is foundational. What happens here affects the rest of history. Yes, that's right. Anyway, this is so important. But but here it is. Uh, They... They trespass, okay? They trespass this boundary, (laughs) over this boundary that God sets, this limit that he sets. And Eve eats. She gives it to her husband who is with her, right? Adam right there seems. uh, He knows better, and he doesn't say anything, doesn't speak up. Now he just eats too. And all of a sudden, uh, if they were to look in a mirror, what do they see? <laughs> they see nakedness. They see now shame. Ashamed, yeah. And, you know, it's it's more than just skin deep. And now they, they wouldn't see that image of God anymore either. That's lost. Uh, to know God as, as he is, um, to know that will of God, to have that perfection, uh, that's lost. That's gone. Uh, and, you know, right away, as a result of that, uh, their eyes being open, they see their nakedness. They even show fig leaves together. They start to hide themselves, uh, cover themselves up. Uh, it just happens so quickly. Uh, but I, I think, too, now, when they, if they were to look in that mirror, they would see their sin. They would see their shame. But I think that they would need, see their need for, for something to change, for yes. something to, to save them from this state of, of fallenness and shame and nakedness. And uh, God doesn't leave him without hope, of course, right? Uh, right away. Uh, Genesis 3, verse 15, that very first promise of that Savior, oh, okay, uh, okay. God here, brings. Here, here's what, let, let me call an audible here. Okay. Let's do that next week. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we kind of set up, we set up the we problem. Set the stage. Set the stage. And then we'll talk, because, you know, you're talking about losing the image of God, and it occurred to me, they literally have lost the image of God because their motivation for doing this is because God doesn't actually love you, right? Wasn't that the implication? Yeah, that's... Yeah. That the only reason God told you yep. not to eat of that fruit, he didn't, it wasn't anything to do with love, he wasn't trying to protect you, no, he was trying to protect himself because he knows as soon as you eat it, you will be like uh, uh, me. So, all right, next week then we come to the 
answer to all of this. Yes. All right. How does God respond to people who thinks that he's lied to them and that he doesn't really care for them? Yeah, that God isn't loving. Maybe he is a jerk after all. Well, well. you have to come back next week and find out. <laughs> if that's not a hook, I don't know what is. See you next week on Wrestling with the Basics.